for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. But without faith it is impossible to please him, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Holgrimson. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. I want to remind you, please check out the website. That's where we post all the notes from our recordings. And that's at truepatriotministries.org. And you can look at the blog page. That's where the notes are. You can also jump over to the podcast page and listen to the podcast or any archives that I have. We are excited about this new year. Happy New Year to you. 2021 is going to be a great new year. As one of my uh, favorite ministers put it, 2021 is the year of the local church. Please feel free to connect with us via the Connect page on the website, or you can connect with us via email at reachout, that's R-E-A-C-H-O-U-T, at truepatriotministries.org. You can also find us on Parlor under Chris Holgrimson at True Patriot Ministries, and you can feel free to connect with me there through their messaging system. Today, I want to talk to you about a new year, new me living out the life I desire. And I think this is fitting because we are in the new year and a lot of people went through 2020 and there was so much going on in 2020, so much unusual things. And some of it is still with us and we're getting beyond it. And it can challenge our faith and our beliefs. It can challenge our hope and emotionally it can affect us. And so today, I just want to talk to you about the new year. And if you're in a place where you're you're asking yourself, man, I just don't like where I am. I don't like who I am. I, I want to change, but I don't know how. Well, then this podcast is for you. Glory to God. And I want you to... Even though you may hear some things you do or do not like, or maybe you don't think it relates to you, just listen all the way through. Because what I've found when I listen to other ministers is even if at the beginning of the message there's not really an attraction, if I give it due diligence and I go through the message, there will be a point where I hear something that the Lord's trying to get across to me, and I can receive that and run with it. And and that's a great thing. So where do I start? It's all so overwhelming. And and I think a lot of people find themselves in this position. You look at what just happened in the last year and, and you ask yourself, oh my gosh, how do I get out of the hole that I'm in? How do I get out of this, this whatever it is, depression, this debt, this social environment, what, whatever it is, you know, it can be a lot of things. And each one of us is different, and we all face different things and different challenges. And the devil knows our weaknesses. He knows man's weaknesses. Since we've become a fallen man, he understands what uh, trips our trigger, I guess you'd say, and where our weaknesses are and how to tempt us. And so it's up to us to deal with that. Now, when it comes to change... You have to remember to change. So let's talk about change for just a second. To change directions, you have to turn away from where you are. So there comes a point where you just, you've got to pump the brakes. You've got to stop. You've got to evaluate where you are. And then 
decide where do you want to be? And it may be something very simple. Maybe right now you've got a lot of credit card debt uh, and you decide, I don't want to be in debt, but my, so I don't want to be here where debt is, but I want to be over here where debt free is just getting back to zero. That's where I want to be. And so at least you've got a target and you've got a starting place. And you just have to connect the two. You have to find that path that's going to take you from being indebted to being debt-free, to being at zero. And that's that's what we're talking about here. So in that situation, if we take that situation and we look at it, you've got – so to be debt-free, first you've got to stop going into debt. And most people, they take their credit cards, they shred them up. They look at their payment plans and they start becoming aggressive. Uh, Dave Ramsey, I believe it is, and there may be a few others out there. They talk about a snowball effect where you take your smallest credit card and you pay it off. And once it's paid off, you take the payment you were making to it and you put it into the payment to the next credit card. And so you're increasing the amount that you're paying And with each successive card, you're increasing more and more what you're paying on the next one until you get it paid off. And then you do that to the next one and the next one. And you find yourself debt free. And it seems to be a program that works, but that's neither here nor there. It's just an example, right? So you've evaluated where you are. You stop, you pump the brakes, you figure out where you want to be, and then you find the plan that's going to get you there. And so that's just an example of, of, and finances is so simple because everybody can relate to being indebted. And honestly, and this is not in my notes, but being indebted is, it's, um, I don't want to call it slavery, but it's in servitude. You, you become indentured, an indentured servant to that credit card company because they're going to an exact payment out of you no matter what. And, and so that burden, and, and we foolishly take it upon ourselves because we just don't know any better. Society out there today will tell you that this is an avenue that you can go down because you can have it now and pay for it over time. And most of us have fallen into this trap, and a trap is what it is because you end up, and I've seen people who do this, and, and I know people who have done this, and, and it's unfortunate, but you get to a point where your interest is so high that you're paying on a, a three, four, five thousand dollar card, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars a year just in interest. And, and most of the stuff that you purchase, they say it's going to take you three years to pay off. So over three years, you're going to pay out you know, $4,500 worth of interest if you allow your your balance to run it full. And that's why it's so dangerous. So to get back to what we're talking about today, we're talking about changing directions. So we've pumped the brakes. We want to change directions. Well, in the Word of God, that's called repentance. Okay, so we are we are stopping where we at, are at, and we're going to repent. It's a, a head thing. Okay, so intellectually, we're going to say, no, we don't want to do this anymore. And it's repentance. And you can find that in Mark 2.17 as one one example. And so I pulled the word up out of Mark 2.17, and I looked it up in the concordance. And I want to read this to you so you kind of get an idea what what the Greek word actually means. And the, the phonetic word is metanoia. In the Strong's definition... It talks about compunction by implication, a reversal or repentance. And in Thayer's, it says a change of mind as it appears to one who repents of a purpose he has formed or of something he has done. So it's, it's that change of mind that stops you from living in a life of sin. We'll take it biblically, living in a life of sin, and it turns you back towards God. And look at salvation, because that would be the next place we go. So here's the roadmap, right? We've, we've gone uh, 
okay, I have this issue going on in my life, whatever it is, depression, uh, suicidal thoughts, anxiety. I meet so many people who are on medication for anxiety, uh, not knowing how to cope with everything that's just going on in this world. And it's understandable because technology has taken us to a place right now where we get bombarded day in and day out with all kinds of information where we really weren't designed to be bombarded with all this information and you can get information overload and yeah, it'll create anxiety in you. And so we, we just get to that point. We say, okay, I repent. I stop right. Here's the stop sign. I got to stop. I got to back up and, and reevaluate because I can't live life this way. It just is not working. I don't have any joy. I don't have any peace. I don't have any happiness or love in my life. And, and it, it just, you know, maybe you're getting grumpy with your family. You're getting grumpy with your spouse, your kids, your parents, uh, your grandchildren, grandchildren, excuse me, whatever it is, uh, work associates. It, it just, it happens. And so we got to stop and say, okay, wait a minute. I've got to change directions. I've got to repent from where I'm at and I've got to turn and go somewhere else. Where is that somewhere else? Well, I'm going to tell you it's Jesus. And I'll give you some reasons why it's Jesus. And if you've already chosen Jesus, I'm going to say, I'm going to confirm (laughs) that you have made the right choice. Glory to God. So, Jesus, we, when you read in the Word of God, you see we have salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, salvation, and if you go to Luke chapter 1, verse 77, the word salvation, when I look it up in the Strong's Concordance, is the word soteria. And this word is so neat because it doesn't just mean you're saved. Let me go through some of this so you understand what salvation means. A better definition of salvation, and it's rescue, it's safety, physically or morally, uh, deliverance, health, salvation, save, saving. Thayer's definition, it's deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation. Uh, It says deliverance from the molestation of enemies in an ethical sense. That which concludes to the soul's safety or salvation. Salvation as the present possession of all true Christians. Future salvation, the sum of benefits and blessings which the Christians, redeemed from all earthly ills, will enjoy after the visible return of Christ from heaven in the consummated and eternal kingdom. Now, Scripture, and Thayer goes on to say, Scripture describes a fourfold salvation, saved from penalty, power, presence, and the pleasure of sin. And that is, I think Arthur Pink made that comment in A Fourfold Salvation, the book A Fourfold Salvation. We see that soteria means just so much more than just Yay, I'm saved. I get to go to heaven in the end, and right now I just have to endure on the earth. No. He talks about preservation. So the Lord your God, through salvation, He preserves you. Not just in heaven, but here on earth too. That's good. And He delivers you. He offers healing. He offers salvation. He offers safety. Praise the Lord. And this is, this is here and now. Not not just in the future, but right now. I want you to understand something. So faith is now. Faith is never past tense. Faith is never future tense. Faith is always right now. I want you to know salvation is always right now. Always right now. Glory to God. When you have salvation, that perseverance, excuse me, preservation, that preservation is right now. If you're in a situation, that preservation is right now in that situation. And I did a a ministry short on Psalm 23. And I explained in there that even though it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, everybody in the world seems to know that verse, right? What they miss 
And what I want you to receive is it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not even the valley of death, but the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through it, I'm not stopping it and I'm not camping out. I'm not parking here. Don't park in the valley. Glory to God. Push through. Jesus is there with you. He's walking with you. Just push through. Okay. That's vital. You need to know that. That's preservation. Okay. That's safety. That's deliverance. And that walks with you through every situation that you are going through. Salvation is always now. You think about salvation, you think about faith. It's always right now. It's never past tense. It's never future tense. It's right now. Glory to God. Power is right now. Power doesn't fade. Power isn't waiting. It's right now. The power of God in you through the Holy Spirit is right now. These are good things to get into you. Let's move on from salvation. Now let's look at Jesus and the contract that God made with us through Jesus. And I call it a contract. It's referred to in the New Testament as a covenant or a testament. And this contract, if you look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, it was sealed by Jesus with his blood. So the covenant is between God and us, sealed by the sacrifice, the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's powerful. If you look at the word covenant or testament, as it's used in Matthew 26, 28, in the Strong's, properly a disposition that is specifically a contract, a covenant, a testament. Thayer's, it's a disposition, arrangement of any sort, which one wishes to be valid, the last disposition which one makes of his earthly possession, so a will, after his death, a testament or a will. Glory to God. It's a compact, a covenant, a testament. God's covenant with Noah, etc. That's so good. And when God makes a blood covenant with man, he doesn't break it. If you go back to the blood covenant that God made with Noah, he never broke that covenant. We have never seen the earth completely flooded again. Just thousands of years ago. And we've always got the rainbow. We still have the rainbow with us, which was the the sign of his covenant with Noah that he would never again flood the whole earth. And so we still have that with us. That's an unbreakable covenant by God. God can't break his own covenants. Okay. He, He doesn't work that way. Man, we have free will. We're a falling being here on this earth. Uh, we're being perfected through the word. Glory to God. But we still make mistakes. And he's a forgiving God, filled with grace, and quick to give that grace to us. And, and that's amazing. That's a good thing to remember. Even when we did something wrong. Now, I'm not talking about intentionally, willfully going out and living a life filled with sin and evil and wickedness. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who have truly repented, come come to Christ, receive salvation, and they're being refined. But in that refinement, you're still going to have some of the blemishes, right, that you had prior to becoming saved. And that refinement, that purification of the gold, so to speak, that's burning up those little imperfections that, that have been with you. And it's a time process. It's not that you intentionally, willfully want to live this evil, wicked life and do harm to others, so on and so forth. No, it's, it's, who knows, maybe it's your mouth. Maybe the things that come out of your mouth grieve the Holy Spirit because they, they go against what the Holy Spirit tells you. You know, it could be something simple like that. It could be foul language. It could be uh, speaking ill of somebody. It could be cussing at the driver in front of you. Whatever it is, I mean, there are so many daily things, and and over a process of time, the Holy Spirit helps us with these things, and and that's good. Okay, this is that's what God's covenant does for us, and His grace does for us. Glory to God. 
And he's given us the power. I, I think too many times we think that, okay, he's put all these standards out there, but now we've got to live up to it. And it's just us. Well, no, first of all, Jesus Christ walks with us daily. Second, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And with the Holy Spirit in us, we have the faith of God. And we have the, <laughs> glory to God, the measure of faith, right? That's ours. That's ours to learn how to exercise and strengthen and care for. And we have the love of God. And then with the Holy Spirit, we have so much more. And I'll tell you about that here in just a second. The next question we often hear is, okay, great. I I want to change, but... I don't know how to change. I don't think I'm strong enough to change. Well, if you look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And it's a solo verse. For context, I would recommend you go back there and you read all of Philippians chapter 4. That way you get it in the proper context. But I wanted you to see this because this is in the Word of God. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And there's some conditions prior to and after, but the truth is right there. Now, if I look at the word strengthen, in the Strong's, it's the Greek uh, number 1743, the original word, we're talking, and I'm going to try to pronounce this, forgive me, I'm not a Greek person, so in dunamu. I think is how it's pronounced, and that could be wrong. But Strong's definition, it's to empower, to enable, to increase, to strengthen, to make strong. Thayer's, to be strong, endue with strength, to strengthen, to receive strength, to be strengthened, increase in strength. It's a good thing. Okay, so he, Jesus says, hey, right here, you can do all things through me. But you have to be in me first, and I have to be in you. There's some conditions, okay? But And that's what we're talking about here, repentance. We're talking about salvation. That's receiving Jesus Christ in you, okay? And and with that comes the Holy Spirit, and, and he is the comforter, which is where we're going to go next. So the Holy Spirit, if you look in John chapter 14, verse 16, It refers to the the Holy Spirit as the comforter, the Pericles, or Paracletos. And in Strong's, it refers to him as the intercessor, the consoler, the advocate, and the comforter. Thayer's definition says, summoned, called to one's side, especially called to one's aid. One who pleads another's cause before a judge a pleader, a counsel for defense, a legal assistant, an advocate, one who pleads another's cause with one, an intercessor, of Christ in his exaltation at God's right hand, pleading with God the Father for the pardon of our sins. In the widest sense, it's a helper, a secure, an aider, an assistant. Glory to God. It goes on, it says, of the Holy Spirit, destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles after his ascension to the Father, to lead them to a deeper knowledge of the gospel of truth and give them divine strength needed to enable them to undergo trials and persecutions on behalf of the divine kingdom. Now, that's ours also, because he tells us, look, and and he told the apostles, and it's still true for us today, he went to heaven He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, he ascended in order that he could send the Holy Spirit that can live and dwell in each and every one of us. And the Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit. And that's how we communicate with him, because we are spirit. So it's important to know that you've repented, you've received salvation. In that salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit, and with him, he brings the measure of faith, and he brings God's love. What did you bring? You brought your spirit. You brought your soul. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you brought your physical your physical body. Okay? All those, with the exception of the spirit, the soul and the body, they are not of the same value <laughs> as what Jesus paid for you. 
That's the great thing. While we live this life, and, and, and a lot of times the devil tricks us into thinking that we're just not worthy, that we can't do anything right, you know, and, and there's so many different things that he'll try to convince us of, even religious things. Like, oh, we're just sinners. No, 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 no. We were sinners, but we've been saved by grace. And, and see, even that he'll trick us with. And so that's what the devil does. And, and God's saying, no, I sent you the Holy Spirit. I sent you the Holy Spirit. He indwells you. He lives in you. My power in him is in you. Glory to God. And he's also considered the one who brings to remembrance. So if we forget things, we can say, hey, Holy Spirit. Uh, and it may sound silly. I'm going to use this. It's very simple. Where are my car keys? I know they're here somewhere, but I cannot seem to find them. Holy Spirit, you know what I did with them. Where are they? And if you quit, for me, I have to quit thinking about where are they and go on about other things. And, you know, in, in just a matter of a few minutes, it'll come up in me where exactly where they are. Now, like I said, you have to kind of clear your mind out because your mind will just keep on thinking and it'll get in the way and you can't hear the Holy Spirit when your mind is so busy. That's another note. Sometimes you've got to stop your mind from, from everything and just get it to cease so that you can hear from the Lord. Now, let's go on from the Holy Spirit. So we've, we've talked about strength. We've talked about the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. We've talked about salvation and repentance. So let's talk about restoration. Okay, because he didn't leave you at salvation, remember? Salvation was just the beginning. Repentance and salvation, those are just the beginning. He didn't leave you there. He's continuing to walk with you. And so let's let's talk about restoration because he's not going to leave you in the condition he found you. He's going to restore you. And if you look, so Matthew, I'm using Matthew 12, verse 13, to give you an idea of restoration. And this is Strong's number G600. And let's see if I can pronounce this word. I apologize again. And I'll say it a little slow. It's the phonetic spelling is apocathistemy. And I may have put pronunciation in the wrong place, but I got it out there. What can I say? <laughs> I'm not going to not try. So and it's from two different derivatives. Uh, from G575 and G2525. And if you're not familiar with the the Gs and all of that, that's Greek. And then the H is Hebrew, and you'll find those in the, the concordance. But it's to reconstitute in health, home, or organization, to restore again. Thayer's definition is to restore to its former state, to be in its former state. And in this in this reference, he's talking about our former state would be the state that God created us in to begin with, which goes all the way back to Adam before he, he fell to the devil. That's what he wants to restore us to. So if we've gone through life and there's this has happened and that's happened, or we've got this scar or that scar, he can restore us. Maybe physically that scar doesn't disappear. But emotionally, mentally, spiritually, he helps you find where to put that, how to deal with it, and how to put it behind you in the past where it belongs, because nothing in the past is ever again a threat to us in the present. And that's where he wants to take us. He wants to take us to that point where we can put an emotional hurt, a physical hurt, Whatever it is, we, we are restored. We can grab onto that restoration and we can say, okay, we're restored in this area. And, and he's helping me through the Holy Spirit to put this where it belongs, which is in the past. And nothing of the past has any consequence in the present. And so we, it has no power right now. And, and that's what I'm talking about. So if you go back to, if we go back to the example of the credit card debt, and it's like I said, this is just super simple to, to use. It doesn't mean that the debt doesn't still exist, but because 
you've stopped, you've shredded the cards, and you've come up with a plan on how to pay them off, and your goal is to get back to zero. Because of that, you have taken the power away from that debt. So in the present, even though that debt is still there, it has no more power over you. It is powerless because you have defeated it. You have claimed victory over it. You put a plan in place and you're moving forward with that plan. It is the same with anything that has happened in our past. We can stop. And that's the big thing. Don't continue doing it. Stop. It may or may not be easy. For each of us, there are certain things that are a little bit more challenging than others. But there is not a thing in this world that cannot be defeated through the Word of God, through Jesus. That's what salvation does. That restoration, it comes with salvation. And that's where we have to be. So if we've got something in our past that emotionally is just crippling us, the first thing I want you to realize, and you can find these in the Word of God, you can find these in previous podcasts. The first thing I want you to realize is that Jesus Christ, He hung on the cross. He took our punishment. He hung on the cross. He died. Now, they didn't kill Him. Get this down in you. They did, they did not kill Him. If you can look at what the Word of God says, He gave up His Spirit. He removed his spirit from his own physical body. They didn't kill him. The spear in the side came after he left his body. Okay. So what I want you to understand is he, he died. He was on the cross. He died. He got buried and he was resurrected. Now, during that time span of the three days, he went down to hell and he fought it out with the devil and he defeated, soundly defeated the devil and then paraded him about shamefully, embarrassing to the devil. He humiliated the devil. He didn't just defeat him, but he paraded about a defeated devil. Think about uh, if you're in wartime and you... You claim victory, let's go World War II, victory, and they march all the the uh, people who turn themselves over down the main street as a parade. That's what he did with the devil. He marched him down Main Street in a huge parade, showing everybody, look, I have defeated him. So he defeated him, and he was resurrected. He spent 40 days on the earth showing himself. And then he, he ascended into heaven. He didn't leave us alone. Glory to God. He sent us the Holy Spirit. And, and we come back to this. And what I want you to get is that the restoration, he got it through victory for you. He got it through victory for me. So now Jesus Christ, I know as a truth, has gotten victory over the devil. That victory is final. And because Jesus is in me and I am in Jesus, because I've received him, salvation, he's mine, I'm his. We're joint heirs because God has adopted me as a full son. We are joint heirs, glory to God, with Jesus Christ through the salvation process. That means to me that I am able to claim that self-same victory that Jesus claims because I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I now can sit at a position of victory and look at my situation and go, okay, I already know I have victory. Lord, walk me through this and help me to, to establish that victory here and now in this world. Because we've ultimately, we already have victory. And the Holy Spirit will help us get through these things. There's nothing greater than God. I'm sorry, but when I look at, at the things that I've been through and the things that I've, I've had happen to me or the things that I've done to myself, who cares? 
You know, I mean, it's, we all do stupid things and we look back and we go, well, that was pretty stupid. And I'm, I'm no exception. Um, but I can look at it and I can go, okay, wait a minute. I may have done that, but I don't have to anymore. And because I have salvation, because I have restoration, because I have Jesus in my life, I can stand on that. And I can say, okay, Lord, you know, physically, maybe I'm struggling with this, but you're the solution. Emotionally, maybe I'm struggling with this, but you're the solution. Whatever there is, whatever stupid thing I've done or whatever has happened to me, if it's an abuse or, or whatever, I mean, it, it just, I can look at that and I go, mm, I've got victory over that. I have victory over that. Forgiveness is a tool of victory. If you don't learn how to use forgiveness and how to receive forgiveness, then your victory is detained. It is delayed. So get that because forgiveness, what forgiveness will do, it will, glory to God, it will remove bitterness from your life. And it will replace bitterness and hatred with love and joy. Glory to God. And and you deserve it. You deserve it. Not knowing how to change is not an issue. Not being strong enough to change, it's not an issue. You can do nothing of yourself. That was one of the first things that I learned. And when I learned that, I was like, oh, this is good. Because now I know. If I can do nothing of myself, but that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, then I need to go to him and I need to have a conversation with him and say, look, I'm dealing with this here and now in the earth. I know I have the victory, but I'm, I'm failing to see the connection. Help me with it. What's the plan? Show me, Lord, how I'm going to get from point A to point B. Point B being victory over whatever it is that you're getting you're, you're struggling with. And, and that's so good because you don't have to do it alone. There is not a thing. Once you receive salvation, there is not a thing in this world that you have to go through alone because you are going through it with God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy ghost, the three persons of the Godhead. So yes, through Christ, you are strong enough through the Holy spirit. You can learn how to change through the covenant that God made you can receive restoration. That's good. Next question. Can I really have the life I desire? So let's go back to the credit card debt. Okay. Cause this, I want you to know where this point is right here. This is point zero. Romero is talking about when you're in debt and then you come up with a plan and your plan is you just want to get back to zero right? You want to pay off that debt and just get back to zero. This question right here, that's that point zero. Can I really have the life I desire? God says, yes. Now there's going to be some things with that, that you're going to have to come to grips with, but it's not something you can't attain. He's not a cruel God. He's not looking down on you and going, no, you know what? I booked you for 25 years of misery and you're at 22 years. You get three more years to go and then we'll talk about it. That's not God. No. God says, child, I've been waiting on you for 22 years. Glory to God. I'm thankful that you came to me and, and we can change things from here on out. Not only that, but I can restore to you what you lost in those 22 years. That's the God we have. So yes, you can really have the life you desire. The word addresses your wants, your needs, and your desires. Now, if we look at Matthew chapter 6, and let's look at verses 31 through 34. And this is in the King James, but you can look at it in your favorite version. Verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. 
for your heavenly Father know that you have need of all these things, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When he talks about for all these things do the Gentiles seek, these are worldly things. Okay, that's what he's referring to there. You know, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Um, I don't have money for food on the table. I don't have money for new clothes. I, I don't have this. I don't have that. He's taking care of it right here. Verse 34, it says, Therefore take no thought for the morrow, for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, or the, the lack, for better of a, lack of a better word, we'll call it lack, for the lack thereof. In 632, it uses the word need. And so let's look at the word need in the concordance. The phonetic spelling is credzo, credzo. So in Strong's, to make, that is to have, necessity, that is to be in want of, have need. Thayer's definition says to have need of or to be in want of. So that talks about our needs. It's a lack. For lack of a better word, it's a lack. The other word that I want you to look at is desire. Okay, because that's the question, right? Can I really have the life that I desire? Well, let's look at the word desire. In Psalm 37, 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Desires of your heart is not the physical heart, okay? We're talking the spiritual heart, the spirit man. The desires of your spirit man. And that's a good thing. Because as we grow in the word, he starts working on us and refining us and restoring us. And as he restores us, our desires become more refined. They become more in alignment with the word of God. They become in alignment with his promises. And his promises are yes and amen. Don't let people tell you, well, you can't have that. I know the word says that, but that's not for you. Don't tell yourself that. Because if it's in the Word of God and it's a promise for you, it's yours. Now, you may not understand it. It's like getting a new gadget, and unless you read the instruction manual, you might be able to make it work limited, but you can't get it to work to its full capabilities until you open that owner's manual and figure it out. And that's what the Word of God is. Okay? That's like an owner's manual. Get in there and figure it out. Because if there's a promise in there, it's yours. And and I want you to have it. I want to have it. And so if I find a promise in there that I desire, then I will go after it. Okay? And we'll cover that a little bit more here in just a moment. But desire, I refer- referenced Psalm 37, verse 4. This is going to be the Hebrew, not the Greek. I believe it's pronounced Mishalah. Okay, is the Hebrew word for desire. It's a request, a desire, a petition. Brown's driver and Briggs definition calls it a request, petition, desire. You can also refer to it as a demand. All of these are very similar and they mean pretty much the same thing. So let's look at Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 10. And it reads, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So you may be saying, okay, what's that got to do with anything? Well, remember I was talking about desires. Refining you in the word of God are promises there. Yes and amen. He's telling us right here. Look, ask, it will be given. Seek, seek out your desires. Find them in the word of God. Okay. Knock on, for a lack of better way to say it, knock on heaven's door. Knock on God's door and say, look, I have a desire. I've sought it out and I've found it in your word. I found the promise where you said I could have this. And I know your promises are yes and amen. 
and and I've dealt with forgiveness. It's I, I I've dealt with forgiveness. It's not in my way, you know, because you do want to make sure that there are no impediments in your way. You can't willfully stand in bitterness and hatred and expect God to fulfill His promises because you're simply not willing to receive His instruction. And you're not willing to receive some of the greatest gifts he has for you through grace, which forgiveness is a gift to you through grace, and it will bring so much peace. So don't get caught up in bitterness and unforgiveness. Deal with those things. Okay? That will help you to receive from him. That will help you when you're seeking the promise that fulfills the desire that you have. You want to quit smoking. It's in there. You want to quit being in debt. It's in there. You want to stop living in fear. It's in there. One of the greatest issues I see day to day in this world right now is fear. And I see good people living in fear when they, they, honestly, they have no right to. But that doesn't change their situation through ignorance, through unbelief, through Whatever the situation is, they're stuck with the belief that where they are is where they're supposed to be and there's no way out. And I'm here to tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm here to tell you there's a way out. Glory to God. He didn't leave us in darkness. When we repented, when we turned and we said, Lord, and we received him, he removed us from darkness and brought us into the light. He gave us his word. He gave us his son. He gave us an unbreakable covenant. Now you and I, because we're fallen people, because we're in a fallen world, let me rephrase that. And we have our own will, a free will. We can take God's covenant and totally ignore it. Or we can take it and and try to make it work for us, and that's abuse, and that won't work either. But it doesn't change the fact that that covenant and all its promises are sitting there waiting for us to learn, to repent, to receive, to forgive, to learn how 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 to receive it, learn how to get to it, find it. That's what he's talking about in Luke here. You know, seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be open to you. He's got it there. And the answer is in the word of God. Not in this world. This world puts you where you are right now. How is this world ever going to solve a problem for you when it created that problem for the sole intention to destroy you? Think about that. This world is run by the devil. When Adam fell, he gave the world over to the devil because God had given this world to Adam. That makes the devil the God of this world. Little g, not big g. Little g, big difference. And so this this world cannot give you anything that is going to help you become more godly. It's not going to give you anything that's going to help you come into alignment with God. That's why we have the word. That's why it said these scriptures, glory to God, they came through the Holy Spirit to these writers. They are God-inspired word. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And he tells us, look, now that you've received me, and now that you have the Holy Spirit in you, you are a new creature. Even though you're still in this world, you're no longer of this world. And now the world's going to look at you differently. If the world can look at you differently, why can't you? Where the world perceives you as a threat now because you are of God, you're different. A threat is not somebody who's powerless, weak, feeble, ignorant. No. That's not a threat to anybody. If you took the character, and I'm going to use this, if you took the character Pee Wee Herman, not the person, the character Pee Wee Herman, 
And he walked down the street. Pee Wee Herman, the character, is not a threat to anybody. But you take David, King David, before he was king, he was a shepherd, a lowly shepherd, the one who was forgotten by his father when when he was supposed to bring all his sons out to see which one was going to be anointed the new king, and he was forgotten about him. The one who was back tending sheep and was instructed to take food and drink to his brothers who were on the battlefield, which actually they were on the sidelines because they were too in fear of Goliath to go out and do anything. You've got David. Now, David might have been small in stature, but glory to God, spiritually, he was a giant. He walked out there and said, I'm not going to let you talk about my God that way. No. The God of Israel? Uh Uh-uh. You don't have the right to speak that way, and I'm going to come to you with God, and I'm going to defeat you. Do you really believe he defeated Goliath without God? No. God was with him, and he knew it. More than that, he invited God to go with him. He knew he couldn't do it by himself. And so, and that's a wonderful story. And there are so many witnesses in the word that speak to the strength of God in us and with us. And so, yes, yes, you can truly have the desires of your heart. Glory to God. So seek, find, knock, answer. Now, What do you have faith for? That's the next question. What do you have faith for? Because we can all believe, oh, Lord, you know, I want that Rolls Royce ghost and I want it in my driveway tomorrow, but I've got faith for a bus pass. It just isn't going to happen. Okay, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right. Faith comes to us, we receive the measure of faith through the Holy Spirit from Jesus. So it's there. Now we have to learn how to exercise it, how to strengthen it, how to manipulate, not manipulate, how to work it. Okay? Find the instructions, figure it out, learn how to work it. And then you have to maintain it. And and it's it's like a bodybuilder. I mean, if you, you keep working those muscles, right, and you stop working those muscles for a long period of time, They're going to get smaller again. So your faith is the same way. And that's why a lot of pastors or ministers will refer to it as your faith muscle. Don't let it get weak. Keep working it. You know, there's, there's, if you've ever lifted weights or anything like that, or you gymnasts or anything physical, you understand exercise and you understand allowing the body time to rest and recuperate and then go back out feeding your body properly. Well, your faith is the same way. It needs those things too. Glory to God. See, the physical was modeled after the spiritual. Not the spiritual modeled after the physical. Get that down in you. So what you do in the physical, the habits you've developed in the physical, say with conditioning your body. Those actually come from the spiritual because it's the way we are to, to manage our spirit and, and exercise it and care for it. It's the same thing. Same with your faith. So I said that to say this. What do you have faith for? Well, exercise your faith. Go into the Word of God. Start reading the Word of God. Start studying and learning and growing. Okay, find what you have faith for in the Word of God. Something's going to click in you. You're going to read something and go, I've got that. And your faith is going to be there for that, and you're going to be able to receive it. Three things, three of the gifts that I want you to get down in your hearts are this. This is from Jesus to us through God, through the, the New Covenant, the New Testament, the Spirit of Life or divine life, healing, divine health, riches, which is also divine prosperity. Now, the spirit of life, if you look at Romans 8, 2, it says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Look at 1 Corinthians fifteen forty five. 
this is in the Amplified, it says, So it is written in Scripture, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, an individual. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit, restoring the dead to life. Glory to God. And I'm giving you three examples on each one of these. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. It says, He has qualified us, making us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant of salvation through Christ, not of the letter of a written code, but of the Spirit. For the letter of the law kills by revealing sin and demanding obedience, but the Spirit gives life. Okay, there's three scriptures right there that pertain to the Spirit of life, divine life that we receive from Jesus through the new covenant. Let's talk about healing. Same thing here. Three scriptures, healing that we receive from Jesus through the new covenant. And the word healed is better translated made whole, which encompasses not just healing, but it talks about the restoration that we've been talking about, right? Of anything lost due to what happened. Now, 1 Peter 2.24, it says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you were healed. I want to point something out here. Jesus walked the earth as a threefold man because in order to redeem threefold man, he had to be exactly the same. He couldn't walk the earth as God and redeem man. There are people out there who will try to tell you that healing is only spiritual. And that's a bunch of malarkey. Jesus walked the earth as a threefold man. His wounds were physical. His wounds were emotional. And his wounds were spiritual. He took those wounds for us so that we would be healed, spirit, soul, and body. Period. End of story. Psalm 107.20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Glory to God. Matthew 13, verse 15, and this is in the Passion Translation. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive, their ears are plugged and are hard of hearing, and they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see, and they would open their ears to hear, and they would open their minds to understand. They would turn to me and let me instantly heal them. Gosh, that's good. That's good. Three verses for healing, right? So let's talk about riches. Now, a lot of people get caught up with riches. Don't worry about the word riches. Riches pertain to everything. Prosperity pertains to everything. Wealth, everything. Remember, threefold. Okay? Threefold. Spirit, soul, and body. So when they refer to wealth or prosperity or riches, they're referring to wealth, riches, prosperity, and the spirit. They're talking about riches, wealth, prosperity in the soul. That's the mind, the will, and the emotions. And they're talking about riches, prosperity, wealth in the body, in the physical, in this world. Glory to God. Don't get caught up on that. The world is done, the devil through media has done such a fantastic job of painting this picture of riches. And and a lot of the time, it's just obscene amounts of things and people do horrible things because they have it. That's covered in the Word of God. Just get in there and find it. So let's look at the three verses that I picked out here to cover riches. If you look at Romans 10, verse 12, it says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, it's in the Amplified, says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. Glory to God. 
one of the things, and, and when we talked about desires earlier, I just want to put this in before we, we wrap up. One of the things that I learned after a couple of years of going to church and getting planted under a good church that teaches and preaches the word of God. When I caught on to Psalm 37 verse four, that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What I found was that through the process of restoring me, that the one desire, the strongest desire I had became this one, that I desire to walk worthy of the price that Jesus Christ paid for me. And when that got down in my heart, it stayed there. That's my number one desire. And you'll find through the process of refinement, through the process of learning and growing in the Word of God and developing that intimate relationship with the Father, that your desires will start to become more in line with the Word of God. Now, does that mean that material desires go away? No. We're in a material world. There are material things that we want, we need, and we desire. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the intent behind it that matters. If material things were such a hazard to us, then sowing and harvesting wouldn't exist because they would contradict what God is wanting. But God put seed time and harvest into the earth, and it won't die till Jesus comes back. And so material things, you have to look at them as seed, because that's what they are. They're potential seed. If you own it, it's yours, it now becomes potential seed. That means you can give it away. That's why credit is so hard on Christians. Because credit takes what God meant to be seed and turns that seed into a debt. And you can't give a debt away. So the vehicle that I have that I drive every day that has car payments on it that I don't own outright, that a bank owns and that I, I rent from them on a monthly basis until I've rented it to fulfillment, I can't give that vehicle to anybody. Because it's not mine. See, that's what debt does to you. It gives you things on a temporary basis or it rents things to you on a temporary basis until you pay it off. But it takes it out of the seed category and it puts it in the debt category, the liability category. And that makes it hard to give things away. And so riches, wealth, prosperity, that's seed. Glory to God. Every one of them is potential seed. And so if you don't overflow, if you don't experience healing, if you don't experience divine life or the spirit of life, restoration, renewal, how are you going to sow it? The devil's sneaky. He doesn't want you to know about these things because he doesn't want you sowing it. And so I want to leave you with this. You can have the life you desire because through Jesus, you have a path out of where you are. These three things I want you to keep with you always. Being led of the Spirit. Find it and confirm it in the Word of God, whatever it is. Be planted in a word-preaching, word-teaching church that expects you to grow in the Lord. Expectation puts demands on people. That's why you need to be in a church that expects you to grow. And if you find yourself resistant to growth, then you need to go back and start taking a look at forgiveness, taking a look at submission. And don't get hung up on submission. Submission means that, that you can hear from the Lord, you can receive what He has to say, and you can run with it. It's not always pleasant, but it's always necessary. And it's always for our betterment. And it's the same in this earth. He's going to put people in our lives, pastors, ministers, teachers, bosses, 
that we need to learn to submit to, which basically, you know, in a nutshell, it just means that you're putting while you're, so let's take a job while you're at a job, eight hours a day, you're putting their mission above yours. You are putting your mission under theirs, below theirs, beneath theirs. Okay. And that's what that means. Submission. It's not uh, total authority, total control. It's not what the movies would have you to believe. That's malarkey. And what some of the, some people out there, you will submit to me. I will control you. You will do whatever I tell you to do. No, malarkey. God gave us free will. That was not his intent with submission. Submission is just putting somebody else's mission before yours. Typically on a temporary basis with God, he'd like to be all the time. Because, trust me, some of the things he's got for you, you're going to want to submit to because they are good. All of it's good. Glory to God. He loves you. He's not out to hurt you. He's out to prosper you. He's out to heal you, to restore you, to bring you into the fold. He's out to make you a full son or full daughter of his and look back to his original intent. Right now, original intent's a big word in, the, in America. But look back to his original intent with Adam before the fall. You look at the first seven days. And when he stopped, he looked at it. And what did he say? That all that he saw is good. That's what he has for us. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Look, we love you guys. God loves you. Jesus loves you. And be sure to connect with us. We want to hear from you. If you have verses, we do five, um, excuse me, ministry shorts every Wednesday, five minutes or less with favorite scriptures. So send in a scripture. Send in a scripture. I, I, I enjoy doing that, pulling out scriptures. Because my favorites aren't necessarily your favorites. And so I do. I want to hear from you. Send me some scriptures. Glory to God. Jump on the website. Go to our blog page where the notes are. You can make comments on the notes. Um, find us on Parlor. Send me a message. And, and above all, share what you're receiving. Don't be a stagnant body of water. You can be a reservoir with a river running out. Or as it comes in, out of the overflow, you're giving out. Glory to God. So share this with people. Hey, we love you. Hope you have a blessed Sunday. Thank you for joining us today. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men.